Section 23 of the Animal Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Animal Storybook, edited by Andrew Lang. How the Cayman was killed. From Waterton's Wanderings in South America. In the year 1782, there was born in the old house of Walton, near Pontefract in Yorkshire, a boy named Charles Waterton, who afterwards became very famous as a traveller and a naturalist. As soon as he could walk, he was always to be found poking about among trees or playing with animals, and both at home and at school he got into many a scrape through his love of adventure. He was only about ten when some other boys dared him to ride on a cow, and of course he was not going to be beaten. So up he got while the cow was only thinking about how good the grass tasted, but the moment she felt a strange weight on her back, she flung her heels straight into the air, and off flew Master Waterton over her head. Many years after this, Waterton was traveling in South America, seeing and doing many curious things. For a long time he had set his heart on catching a caiman, a kind of alligator that is found in the rivers of Guiana. For this purpose he took some Indians with him to the Essequibo, which falls into the sea not far from Demerara, and was known to be a famous place for caimans. It's no good attempting to go after them during the long bright day. They were safely in hiding and never thought of coming out till the sun was below the horizon. So Waterton and his Indians waited in patience till the moon rose, and everything was still, except that now and then a huge fish would leap into the air and plunge again under water. Suddenly there broke forth a fearful noise, unlike the cry of any other creature. As one came and called, another answered, and although caimans are not very common anywhere, that night you would have thought that the world was full of them. The three men stopped eating their supper of turtle and turned and looked over the river. Waterton could see nothing, but the Indian silently pointed to a black log that lay in the stream, just over the place where they had baited a hook with a large fish and bound it on a board. At the end of the board a rope was fastened, and this was also made fast to a tree on the bank. By and by the black log began to move, and in the bright moonlight he was clearly seen to open his long jaws and to take the bait inside them. But the watchers on shore pulled the rope too soon, and the caiman dropped the bait at once. Then for an hour he lay quite still, thinking what he should do next, but feeling cross at having lost his supper, he made up his mind to try once more, and cautiously took the bait in his mouth. Again the rope was pulled, and again the bait was dropped into the river. But in the end the caiman proved more cunning than the Indians, for after he played this trick for three or four times, he managed to get the fish without the hook. And when the sun rose again, Waterton knew that caiman hunting was over for that day. For two or three nights they watched and waited, but did not ever get so near success as before. Let them conceal the hook and the bait ever so cleverly, the caiman was sure to be cleverer than they, and when morning came, the bait was always gone and the hook always left. The Indians, however, had no intention of allowing the caiman to beat them in the long run. 
and one of them invented a new hook which this time was destined to better luck he took four or five pieces of wood about a foot long barred them at each end and tied them firmly to the end of a rope thirty yards long above the barb was baited the flesh of an akuri a creature the size of a rabbit the hole was then fastened to a post driven into the sand and the attention of the caiman aroused to what was going on by some sharp blows on an empty tortoise shell which served as a drum about half past five the indian got up and stole out to look and then he called triumphantly to the rest to come up at once for on the hook was a caiman ten feet and a half long but hard as it had been to secure him it was nothing to the difficulty of getting him out alive and with his scales uninjured especially as the four indians absolutely refused to help and that left only two white men and a negro to grapple with a huge monster of these two the negro showed himself very timid and it was not easy to persuade him to be of any use the position was certainly puzzling if the indians refused to help the caiman could not be taken alive at all and if they gave it it was only at the price of injuring the animal and spoiling its skin at length a compromise occurred to waterton he would take the mast of the canoe which was about eight feet long and would thrust it down the caiman's throat if it showed any signs of attacking him on this condition the indians agreed to give their aid matters being thus arranged waterton then placed his men about seven in all at the end of the rope and told them to pull till the caiman rose to the surface while he himself knelt down with a pole about four yards from the bank ready for the caiman should he appear roaring then he gave the signal and slowly the men began to pull but the caiman was not to be caught without a struggle he snorted and plunged violently till the rope was slackened when he instantly died below then the men braced all their strength for another effort and this time out he came and made straight for waterton the naturalist was so excited by his capture that he lost all sense of the danger of his position he waited till the caiman was within a few feet of him when he flung away his pole and with a fly leap landed on the caiman's back twisting up the creature's feet and holding tightly on to them the caiman very naturally could not in the least understand what had happened but he began to plunge and struggle and to lash out behind with his thick scaly tail while the indians looked on from afar and shouted in triumph to waterton the only fear was lest the rope prove too weak for the strain in which case he and the caiman would promptly disappear into the depths of the essequibo but happily the rope was strong and after being dragged by the indians for forty yards along the sand the caiman gave in and waterton contrived to tie his jaws together and to lash his feet on to his back then he was put to death and so ended the chase of the caiman end of section twenty three